You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Arlington Remastered. Chapter 20 The Captives. From the Journal of Major Frank Butler, Washington, District of Columbia, March 7th, 1883. The Arlingtons, Mr. Douglas, Agent Lee, and I barreled through the dark as though the very devil himself was on our tails. It was made all the worse by the fact that we were of different ages and states of athleticism. Lee sprinted off into the distance. Thomas and Sarah, in their early forties, ran as fast as their fancy shoes would allow them. I kept pace in the rear with Douglas, who at sixty-five was marching furiously as best he could. I kept my eyes behind us, trying to make out the shapes of our pursuers. Can you take any of them down, Major? It's just darkness back there. Here. Now keep going. He had stopped a moment to light a torch on the wall, and we continued our belabored charge towards the pinprick of orange at the end where Lee had stopped. In a flash, I realized what Thomas had done. Behind me lay a narrow window of light. When the windigos passed through it, there would be a moment, however brief, when they would be illuminated. Lee's torch was nearer now. She was standing at the bottom of a short flight of steps beside an open door. Faster. I will close it behind us. Thomas, help Mr. Douglas down the stairs. I can handle stairs. I dropped to a crouch and pulled out both pistols, and extended them up the passageway behind us. Major Butler, we're in. Come on! Hold on just a tick. Both eyes were fixed on the patch of orange light, nowhere near far enough up the tunnel. That's an order, Major. Let him ride. I caught a blur of movement and let four bullets fly. There were screams of pain and more movement. I had hit at least one, but others were beyond the light and closing on us. I scrabbled backwards down the steps, hearing their breath as Agent Lee slammed the door, just as the nightmare faces emerged from the shadows, only to be obscured by the heavy wood and steel. lay back, panting on dusty floorboards. The rest of the party arranged themselves, gasping for breath around a table in the center of the room, the walls of which were lined with supplies. Goddamn idiots. Which fucking simpleton let them into the tunnels? They're probably dead now. We'll be following them soon enough. Call for some troops when you get the carriage brought to the Lincoln Memorial. We can't. I think the secret of these tunnels is already pretty unsafe. It's more important that we get- No, you don't understand. We literally can't call anyone. This isn't the Smithsonian strongroom. There's no telephone. We have no backup, no contact with the outside world, and nobody knows we're here. Right above our heads, the people of Washington are bludgeoning each other into oblivion. All right, calm down. And stop telling me to calm down. All right, don't calm down. Waste all the air in here screaming at us. Damn it, Thomas, what's wrong with you today? Uh, uh. At the risk of being summarily dismissed from my position, may I ask a question? 
Do I have a choice? No, because I'm your security chief, and you don't seem to trust me as far as you can throw me. What is it? Who was that man yesterday? You know you should have told me. I know you're suffering in silence. What man? A Mr. Eli Roach. No. Sarah had gone pale in the lamplight. Thomas, tell me it's not him. I can't. What did he want? He works for Fisher. Or he's associated with him. Either way, the word was to back off. Plus some credits, it was... I didn't know what to do. For the first time, I was truly pinned. He blackmailed you? Yes. What does he have? Can we tell them this? Alright, fuck it, tell them. This needs... A little context. Major Butler, Agent Lee. I don't know if you're aware of what movement around America was like for escaped slaves before the end of the Civil War. I know you had to head north. Like you said in the handbook, Thomas, you and your sister headed to Aurora in 61, from Mississippi. I did the same thing. Pitched up in New York a lot earlier in 38. Well, I wasn't born for another three years, so I guess you beat me to freedom pretty soundly. That wasn't the end of it, though. I knew Hugh Ald, my owner. Still had me as property by legal right. Ended up heading to Britain for two years. While I was there, some good people bought my freedom. So that I could return in 47 a free man. Well, that never happened for me. Or for Sarah. You see... When I met him, I was working the cotton fields in Mississippi. It was late in 1862. I was a soldier. He had just fought for the Union in the Second Battle of Corinth. I found myself walking by the field she worked time and again, just... just to catch her eye. That smile. Well, you're all fairly familiar. Mrs. Arlington removed her delicate white gloves and held up her hands. They were dimpled and scarred from a thousand sharp cotton thorns. I kept looking back to see if he might still be there. It took the slave handler to shoo him away. Eli Roach. That's right. Now I know who Sookie was. That was the name I was given. I never got too attached. But he didn't give up on me. And I was back beside the field the next morning. See if I might converse with her. I had been thinking about the young soldier. So when I saw him wave and hide behind a tree, I found excuses to go over there. It was when we talked and everything else just melted away then that I realized with a powerful imperative that I wanted to be with this woman. I asked him to help me escape. I had been planning one for some time but needed a few items to blend into the free world. Between us, we hatched a new plan. And this was all arranged in fleeting windows every day, when you could get away from the Union Army. And when I could find where you were working and hide there. One morning, my owner, Colonel Makepeace... An ironic name. 
received a letter from a gentleman asking to buy his best slave girl. That was a girl named Martha. She worked faster than the others. But I was his second best. So I was the one who Thomas fairly shrewdly... You're too kind. ...surmised would be offered up. I had spent the past year looking over my shoulder. I kept experiencing waking nightmares about my former master, Bracewell Argyle, busting down the door of the Illinois home my sister and I lived in, dragging us back down south to Mississippi again. I wanted to give this lady a life where that would not be a fear for her. You realize I had things to be afraid of, no matter how free I was. Well, give me a break. I was 21 years old. I thought I was smarter than I actually was. And nobler. My very good friend, Captain Pierce, had volunteered to be our proxy. He would offer to purchase her in the manner that a black man could not. He was highly presentable and we had all kinds of plan B's worked out if Sep Suki wasn't for sale. How did you afford this? I mean, on a soldier's salary and what were you back home, a librarian? Quite so. I wrote several men in my regiment a series of IOUs. Even without interest, it looked like I'd be working that off for a few years until they were all paid back. But a small price to pay. Sarah laid her hands on his across the table. It did not go well. Makepeace smelled a rat. The rat in question was Roach, who told his employer that he had seen Captain Pierce's companion sniffing around the fields with his eyes on the merchandise. But worse was Makepeace's companion, who had joined him that day in his gambling den for a game of pharaoh. Apparently they had become friends over the past year. I found myself looking dead into the eyes of Bracewell Argyle. Makepeace tore up the bill of sale. The room got very tense. And Thomas and Captain Pierce made their excuses and left. Not for long. We came back that night and crept through the grounds of his house. They were keeping watch and it took the greatest of care not to be seen or heard. You wanted to bring me straight to the station and wait until morning. But I knew we needed more preparation than that. We needed someplace private. So I led you to a barn a few miles down the road. Pierce went to find Sarah some new clothes. We had to get her on a train alone. I started writing her a pass. I took the pen away from him. My handwriting was better. I just needed his papers to copy. She had learned from a minister. I was watching her in the candlelight and I thought, I have never seen anything so beautiful and perfect before. Was that when we... Now, first I read to you from... The poetry of William Blake. Tiger, tiger, burning bright. I was so desperate to read as much as I could. And this man was, as you say, Major Butler, a librarian back home. So as you might imagine, quite a find. Ah, yes, we spent the night in the barn... And in the early hours, I heard Pierce approaching. But he had been seen. Make peace in Argyle. They had tracked him to the barn. Knocked him unconscious and shouted for us to come on out, or they would set it on fire. We could have tried to escape through the back. But he didn't want to leave his friend at their mercy. I made different decisions back in those days. Was Roach with him? I dearly wish things might be different now. How did you two get away? We killed them. I shot Makepeace through the heart. 
with the last bullet in Thomas's pistol. He was lucky and went quick. Argyle, he put up a fight. It got very close and very savage. We were on the ground. I had to, had to put my thumbs through his eyes. His screams alerted the nearby farm. So before anyone else got there, I fired off a shot from Argyle's pistol into the trees and wiped the blood from my hands onto those of Makepeace. They had apparently killed one another. We melted away into the dawn with Captain Pierce. That morning I was on a train to Aurora, and Thomas and the captain were back with their unit. We tore up the IOUs, returned the money to my trusted comrades, and swore every one of them to secrecy. I had Blake's poetry in my traveling bag. I dared not read it in case I attracted attention to myself. Yet I could feel it burning in there, waiting for the first quiet moment alone. Apparently, the circumstances of the bloody duel to the death between these two landowners became quite a popular story down there. Some said one owed the other a sum of money from a grand card game. Others said it was over a woman. The details of the escaped slaves were only one of the rumors. But you didn't count on Mr. Roach. I did not. And clearly he knew what had happened, but could not find the man to pin it on. The army moved out shortly after. I was in Aurora with Thomas's sister Jane. We changed my name together and Sookie vanished from the world. And when you came back to me all those years later, done with the army, you had two daughters to greet you at the door. Souvenirs of that night in the barn. So Harry and Truth are probably older than they know. That's right. And would you please not illuminate the details of this to either of them? Truth just plain doesn't need to know, but I'm not sure if Harry would even understand. This was late 62, you said? Yes. Oh, that's just too poetic. So once the Emancipation Proclamation was passed a few years later... We were free in the North. They couldn't have come to drag us back, even if they knew where we were. If I had known... Would you have killed them anyway? Honestly, the practical side of me is saying no. I would have somehow knocked them unconscious and fled with Sarah. But then I'm also thinking of the damage they could have done to us, even in that short period of time before we became free, or at least as free as America will allow us to be. I know Argyle would not have let me go once he caught my scent again. And there's another side of me that, I'm sorry to say this, took the greatest of satisfactions in visiting the harm back upon that man that I had seen him wreak upon my family. This was the man who blinded my mother. This was the man who raped my sister and slashed my back to ribbons. This is the man who hobbled my Uncle James for trying to escape, who crushed the skull of my friend Nathan when we were five years old, forgetting whitewashed handprints on his red curtains. You know, he didn't even mean to kill the boy. I remember now. He just got so caught up with beating on him with his walking stick that he never noticed when the crying stopped. The animal took over. 
Hearing that man screaming get higher and more frenzied the further I took it. It was justice. Terrible, cathartic justice. I still wake up in a cold sweat, thinking about that moment, Thomas. Nobody said a word for the longest time. The lamplight danced across our faces, and I pondered whether anyone would raise a judgmental word about their actions. Looking at Agent Lee and Mr. Douglas, and into my own heart, I realized none would be forthcoming. So, there that is. What do you think Roach has in those letters? There are letters? Yes. At least three. He's going to send an account of this to the Post. The Herald. Stars and Stripes. Fight it. Let the story out. Defend your standpoint. Take it to the courts. If it gets out, not only am I done, Sarah is too. We'll be disgraced. Our name. Our work. The handbook will be destroyed. The cartographers disbanded. The only thing people will focus on is that we are Negro slaves who murdered our white masters. Let truth spin that for you. A defense against tyranny or- Don't you get it? The story is bigger than us. It would be better if we died here. And people followed through with the plans we already have in motion. I know Roach. He's a vindictive little shit. He'll send those letters out no matter what. I actually agree with Major Butler. I think we can weather this together, you and I. We know Fisher and what that monster is capable of, but you have to challenge him for this control he's seeking. To do this, though, you have to do something that you really don't want to do, something that you have been afraid of your whole life. You have to step forward, into the light. You have to stand your ground, square your shoulders, and tell the whole world that this is who you are. Mr. Douglas nodded gravely along with this. Thomas eyed the room. Speak publicly. You can orate like no man on earth, but you've never done so in public. You're inspired by this man, so follow in his footsteps. If truth is on the money... If the people want heroes to light the way, well, by God, we're going to give them heroes. And that's how this administration will win. Frederick is right. What those men did to us is an absolute moral wrong. Bring that out into the sunshine. Don't hide a thing. Thomas leaned over, took her head in his hands, and kissed her warmly upon the lips. I would not be alive without you now. How do you do it, Sarah? I have my secret ways. He stood. All right. All right. Now I have an idea. But to implement it, we're going to have to open that door. The scratching and growling behind the metal had subsided. I did not know whether that was, in fact, worse.
You have been listening to episode 20 of Arlington Remastered, The Captives. Written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Sarah Arlington, performed by Maureen Foley. Thomas Arlington, performed by Alex Shaw. Major Frank Butler, performed by Spencer Lieb. Frederick Douglass, performed by Paris Lilly. Agent Lee Ying Long, performed by Sharon Shaw. Stormfront, relaxing piano music and satiate, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. And if you aren't listening to Through the Wind Door, the incredibly in-depth New Century Multiverse fancast, then you need to subscribe today and let the hosts Greg Downing and Toby Jungius take you deep into various interpretations, readings and deconstructions of each New Century book in turn. And these are released each week along with fascinating interviews with the cast and first impressions of every new book. And Nightfall of the Wendigo, the spiritual successor to Let Them Go, is now available on Amazon.com in beautiful paperback form. And if you're on our Patreon at the $10 level or higher, then access to the ebook version is part of the bonus package you receive. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Evan Jankowski, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Kat Esman, Kevin Vey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Wazanski, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. 